My name is Nesha Ruther, and this is a Bond and Grace production. Bond and Grace is a publishing and art house. We republish classic novels as luxury coffee table books, which we call art novels. Each art novel contains three essential ingredients. Every word of the featured classic novel, annotations from our PhD scholars, and the original work of emerging artists. Today I am joined with my colleague Maggie Lamack, the Bond and Grace art director. We sat down with two artists featured in the Secret Garden art novel, Karen Davis and Sushitra Bosley. Together we discussed their practice, beauty and art, and what the Secret Garden means to them. We begin by asking Karen and Sushitra about their process. You have a method, then that means you work from memory, right? And that doesn't serve my personality really well because the way I am extremely spontaneous and I, I am like all in the moment kind of person. So for me, holding on to knowledge and, and accessing it at one given point in time, it just means that I'm probably going to do something that's already been done. Of course, I mean, influences you get from your teachers, your other artists who've inspired you. For me, you know, it's always been that that spontaneity and the bravura brushwork of John Singer Sargent. And as a 10-year-old, that I, that's when I was exposed to that work. Till even now that I get excited about just that one element of uh, John Singer Sargent's work, right? And it's not about the subject matter so much or how he cropped. Like there were some crops that were so like criminal. I mean, you wonder like, what kind of composition is that? Like he's cropped half the heads off, you know, stuff like that. But so so for me, it's always been that spontaneous energy that comes out of the work that needs, that, that get, gets me all excited. Suchitra Bosley is a representational, realistic style impressionist artist, adding modern sensibilities to 20th century naturalism. She is leading art galleries across the United States, and her paintings have won awards at international jury shows. She serves as a faculty member of the Portrait Society of America. In the Secret Garden collection, she paints the diversity experienced by the modern child. Mary is African-American, Colin is Caucasian, and Dickon as Indian. The homage to 20th century naturalism allows her to seamlessly implement 21st century values into her work. So that's why I said I don't have a process because if I do that, then I am not being true to how what I'm seeing. You know, it's all about that spontaneous connection between the visual and my, you know, my my impulse. So, and to be in that state. Uh, you know, to paint in that kind of a way. I mean, then you can call it that as your process, right? Because that also is, a, in a way, a process, right? So you, you're kind of in the moment. But the good part of that is that there is nothing to access. There's no mental thoughts to access from. It's being completely so available to the impulses of what the visual beauty or whatever that, that you're seeing that you're willing to honestly put down without any corrupted, like, filters in between. So it's a tough... It's a tough way to paint, and nothing is right or wrong. It's just for me, I think, um, doing having done both, I, over the years, realized the kind of person I am and uh, 
you know, how I respond to seeing. Karen Davis, an avid gardener, takes the mystery and asymmetry of the natural world and brings it directly into her work through Toll Botanicals designed from the plants in her garden. Toll, spelled T-O-L-E, is enameled or lacquered metalware, often with gilt decoration. It was especially popular in the 18th century for adorning trays and lamps. Karen uses copper washes and enameled paints to create her intricate handcrafted sculptures before mounting them to various baseboards. Karen's collection captures how the magic of the natural world alters Mary's character by reviving the long-neglected parts of herself. As far as the the whole flowers, I get copper shading. It's just like a sheet of paper, but it's copper. And then I will cut them. And I will either use a pattern that I've made on my own or they'll just be circles that I continue cutting into. And then I will shape them. And then different petals are different layers that are stacked on top of each other. And they're held together with either a wire or with epoxy. Um, I'll use clay to put more wire in. And those take 24 hours cure if I'm trying to soften it because I've learned I can soften it sometimes to create different shapes I have to wait a few hours and know when to do that because if I wait too long it hardens if it's too soon it's all the piece so it's it's learning this medium that's not artistic but I'm using it for that purpose and it's just assembling where it takes from hours to days just to assemble and then I will use enamel paint she gives them color. Karen's process is uniquely her own and is pulled from many, often unexpected, places. So there's vintage tollware, but you can't really find information on there. I did run across a book from the 60s that helped me with the thickness that I might need for my flowers. It got me at a starting point. And then I learned how to make a zinnia from that. But a lot of the flowers, for instance, the daffodils, that is from my own garden. And then I actually cut that apart to get the shape that I needed for that. As far as understanding flowers, I actually went to uh, baking books for making wedding cakes for the flowers. And it helped me understand that more. It's a little bit different, though. I was able to translate it, but because when you're working with sugar flowers, it expands, that's very different from copper. So I've had to learn how to make my patterns so that you still get an end result of the flower. I get my best results, though, when I find real flowers and them apart, which obviously makes sense because... God did it best first, <laughs> but it's just me trying to self-learn. And I mean, I, I think the best art happens when you do try to learn for yourself, not trying to copy someone else's technique, but really understand like what you're trying to make. It's the most genuine. You, you learn it that way. I think for me, I've always been drawn to faces. I mean, people, you know, emotions. 
something about people's expressions and and just the feel of like it could be a combination of a woman just like you know like seated somewhere it could be in a magazine it could be some place that I've gone and I just like I see a gesture it could be so you know sort of uh, artistic in that sense because it has like an elegance it has a natural form rhythm so i i look out for these rhythms uh, a lot in like nature in life and people the way if someone's come home and if i'm like you know like they have is a cotton conversation and someone's really like you know like artistically inclined in the way they speak or the way they dressed or what they're saying even the content of the conversation it can kind of just get my you know my i guess my my juice is flowing right so that for me it's those are the ideas like that's where i find it mostly a lot of expressions and emotions in people again like now that i've you know mastered a certain way of like the technique end of it like how to say things i've i've been doing a lot of that where you see the most beautiful combination of colors in just like it could be even in like a a, a rock right like or an old door like when i went to india this time the photography that i did was like of all old like these old doors in windows and peeling paint and in the kind of combination of colors that you see in aged walls that just gets me really excited aside from artists and other inspirations around do you feel that your family's inspire you in any particular way or the people that you're around well i mean my my children are the reason why i started these flowers i don't know if you remember the story but i was growing these garden in my backyard um the zinnias i had back there we couldn't afford to get hard landscaping, like a boxwoods or anything. And so I had all these seeds and I grew the zinnias and my girls would pick them and bring them inside. And they would put them in all these very odd corners in the house. And so I'd find them in drawers or on, on the table. And my husband would find them everywhere and start throwing them away. And for me, they were like little presents. I was inspired that way. And I would, my favorite one is where my girls, they would put them on handkerchiefs and it was just that shape of the square with these flowers that really inspired me. So it's absolutely because of my children. I wouldn't be creating the art I am without them. I wouldn't have started up painting again. And I mean, I kind of gave it up to raise them, but I felt this, something was missing without it. And it was them encouraging me to create again. And I think for me, I think for me, it's been my husband, actually. And I'm not saying it because he just showed up, but it's true. I think it was because, honestly, I mean, I don't have like a flowery, beautiful answer like Karen. But I think my whole journey started when I was 30 already, right? So I, I did my, you know, I, I had this promise to my in-laws, myself, my in, my parents, my husband, that I have this, you know, like we're going to be the dinks right the double income no kids for a to begin with and a great career great path the, the golden what do you call it the opportunity where you come to the new country and it's going to be just great you know future and um, and that's what i believed in too i mean that's what i at the time was invested in 
And then I kind of one day just threw all that off and said, I want to be an artist and I want to take this path. And I think I shocked a lot of people in the bargain. I mean, obviously, everyone loves me enough to say, okay, I mean, you know, we, we give you the freedom to pursue what you want. But I mean, of course, they were disappointed. And I was also, I was like, geez, like, I've gone from one thing to like working hard at it and to just like give it up to pursue something else. So he supported me two and plus more and sort of believed that I could pull this off. So I think... Somewhere deep down that, the, 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 you know, the hunger to like, like just, you know, get my teeth in and just not let it go was really more because that I wanted to prove to myself, of course, and also my husband that I, this is, you know, my way of like, you know, giving back and showing that, you know, I, I wanted to stick to something that I really took because, and, and my heart was in it. I mean, I could tell from like now having tried two different parts and, you know, there's one, there's like a six figure salary and then there's the other is like zero and dollars for six years. So it was kind of this big contrast. Has your artistic practice changed during these different stages of your lives, respectively, whether it was before you decided to pursue it full time, Sushitra, or, you know, Karen, before you became a parent, like did these, you know, major life changes play out in your work? If you don't believe it, it doesn't matter how talented you are. You know, after after college, I was very talented with illustration. I did. It's funny because it's very different what I'm doing now because I did very figurative work and I was very skilled in it and still am. But I didn't have that confidence in it. And I did a few things there. But after I got married and. I got pregnant very quickly with my first daughter. I didn't know how to balance art and family. And so I just didn't work on it. And the more that years went by, the more and more I'm like, how embarrassing is it if I go back to that now? Because I I had professors saying, well, if anyone's going to be successful, Karen, it's going to be you. And it was just, I know that sounds strange that the fear of success can keep you down but it, it it did, and so I I had to be I had to learn that confidence, and I guess that happened through just getting older and having that family. You gain that confidence to start something up again. But learning to trust myself and have faith in myself, and I'm still learning to do that. And yeah. No, but I, I tip my hat to women who can like do both, like raise a family and have a, you know, I mean, a, a career. Well, now success is also relative. Like I, for me, success is when I paint something, I love it. Like that's it. It doesn't need to have dollars attached to it. Honestly, I, I, I feel like, I mean, somewhere deep down, down the road, they all find homes. For me, it's all about putting out my best work, right? Like my work should, I, I should feel good about what I've created. Otherwise, then I have these, you know, struggles, right? We all have the self-doubt. So now I don't really try and like set any kind of expectations from a certain session. I just let it ride as, as I'm the, it's like every time I've noticed that if I get very conscious of what I'm doing, because, oh, I've got to do this for this deadline, for this show and for this client. If I get all into that trap, the fabric of who I am is lost. That's how I feel about all these things. Within the secret garden, 
I wonder if any of the messages in that book stood out to either of you kind of related to this as well. Um, I know it has so much to offer in terms of like life advice and how you view the world. So I'm curious to hear from you, like what, what messages from the secret garden stood out to you? I would say a lot of it is with the secret garden. I pulled from it healing. I think a lot of my work goes into that just through what Colin's father went through with um, his depression and pulling out of it. I had depression with my own child after I had my second one and I didn't really understand it at the time, but I, I felt very sympathetic to that character and just feeling God's healing over time, pulling me out of that, you know, the book, I think for me, you know, Mary is the garden and God is the healing. That's the magic that's in it. And so for me, it was just very spiritual and, you know, there's always repentance and growth and also death is necessary in order to have life, which is very, you know, you see that with plants and flowers, you need a harsh winter in order to have you know, bulbs grow. You don't get that otherwise. So there's this balance of, yes, there's struggle, but there's going to be beauty out of that. Karen's piece titled Summer's Sweetness shows her tall flowers in full bloom. Three-dimensional, they nearly leap off the square background, giving the piece depth and texture. Delphinium, poppies, and a rose from Karen's very own garden emulate the vibrancy of summer. Summer Sweetness asks viewers to remember that the seeds sown in spring yield stunning results later in the year. Uh, the third one in the list of all her works. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I love that. I mean, I just think it's just very attractive. Like, I mean, just visually, I like the fact that it represents like all these like flowers and leaves and the color palette. Yeah, no, I really like that because of the colors, the, the harmonies, the way you painted those border, the greens on the border, and the the colors of the palette that you've used here is like, it's just a beautiful palette, really nice, like lovely palette. I think visually, I like the diversity in this piece. Suchitra's piece, Dickon and His Friend, depicts the secret gardens Dickon Sowerby as a young Indian boy. Dickon and his friends strives to broaden the representation in the secret garden through depicting the characters with various ethnicities, better reflecting the friendships of today. Here we see Dickon with the novel's iconic Robin resting comfortably on his shoulder. I mean, I've always been this person as a child as well, always happy, you know, just constantly you know, uplifting other people. Even if I'm kind of going through something, I'd be like this person, the, the person in the friend circle who's cracking jokes or like just sort of, you know, uplifting everyone. So for me, Dickon, I mean, that character, like I, I for me, it was all about how uh, the storyline moves from different characters and different, iffy, the, the emotion that they all evoke, right? And and in my work, uh, if you notice, like it's all, always about an emotive quality, right? There's not so much stress on a narrative or a storytelling so much that you actually feel emotion through, even if it's just a portrait, right? So I think for me, that whole way that 
Dickens spirit is of, you know, sort of that that sort of a, an animal whisperer and bringing about that, you know, healing call in. It, it was the one with Dickens, which is, I love that character from the book. Love him. But just, I, I, I do think with that painting you did exude like that happiness. And I know you say you don't do narrative, but that one did have a lot of narrative to it. I totally agree, Karen. Like the capture of Dickens here, like, it's so subtle. And it honestly, it kind of does remind me of you, Suchitra, in that he's just like, it's going to be okay. Like, I feel like that's what he's thinking. Like, you can see it in his expression. He's like, don't worry about it. Like, let's go play. Like, you know, he, he's just very calming, even in his posture, you know, his, his shoulders are relaxed. He's got this bird on him. And even his hand, like, it's just, he's so relaxed. And his expression just says to me, yeah, don't worry. Like, life is beautiful. Things are going to be fine. Uh, for me, it was just like another way of saying that we all connected at the end of the day, you know. I mean, there's no, like, color, caste, creed, what have you, cultural differences. But at the end of the day, we all come, like, when it comes down to just, you know, as artists as well. I mean, you know, we're all the same at the end of the day. We just have different backgrounds that we come from and what we experience and exposed to that makes us uniquely different but in the heart we all pretty much want that centered you know happiness and you know good things to unfold around us and within us so I think for me that that was that that overarching message of like how they all come together and they all are happy right Going back to how I was as a child as well, it was always about like making friends. And I'm one of those people, like I make friends on anywhere. Like I could talk to anyone and like have friends, right? So so I think it resonated a lot to the, the end of the, the whole, the message from the, the, the book was about, you know, coming together and uplifting and yeah. What an exciting and heartfelt conversation. Thank you again to Karen and Suchitra for joining us today. It is truly a privilege to meet the minds behind the canvas. If you're interested in learning more about the Secret Garden art novel and the work of Karen Davis and Suchitra Bosley, you can find more at bondandgrace.com. Meet us here next time for more conversations with today's best emerging artists.